Hello, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Bikes for Death podcast. As always, my name is Patrick, and I am your host. And before we get to today's episode, I'd like to address something that is sad and tragic. And it hit very close to home. Many of y'all will be aware that on May 11th, Mariah Wilson, also known as Mo, was murdered in her home. And another member of the cycling community, Caitlin Armstrong, has been charged with her murder and is currently suspected to be on the run. This story is filled with nothing but sadness and tragedy. I think for many of us, it has hit very close to home. Members of our community were very involved in the Austin cycling scene, which is only about an hour and a half from me. And yeah, I don't have words to express the sadness that I feel for the loss of life. I've also felt a lot of sadness about how we as a community have also dealt with this tragedy. I'm sure like many of you, you feel helpless, a little bit lost, and sad. Which is why whenever I saw that my friend Cynthia Pedraza, along with some other Austinites, have rallied together to host a memorial ride to honor the life of Mariah Wilson. So that memorial ride is going to take place this Sunday, May 29th. It's going to start at Republic Square in Austin, starting at 5.30, followed by a ride out to Deep Eddy Pool. A couple notes on the event. It says, please join the Austin cycling community for a memorial to honor the life of Mariah Wilson. This will be a gathering to acknowledge the tragedy of the loss and condemn the violence that led to this loss. Meet at Republic Square for a memorial, followed by a short ride to the last place Mariah visited, Deep Eddy. One more note on this event that this memorial ride is not going to be mentioning politics, religion, or morals. The focus is on the loss and its impact. So if you would like to honor the life of Mariah Mo Wilson, that would be a great opportunity to get together and hopefully start some healing for the people in our community who need it. All right, well, I don't have a good transition from that into introducing our guest today, so let's just jump in. I'm excited to have my friend Jacob Lose on the podcast today. He just finished the Ozark Gravel Doom race that just took place uh, the weekend of Friday the 13th, just a couple weeks ago. He ended up finishing second place overall, but he was on a single speed and set a new FKT or fastest known time for single speed with a time of two days, 11 hours and 18 minutes, beating the previous time by, by about a day. So a really impressive effort from Jacob. But what made this particular ride interesting, at least for me, was that around mile 255 on the route at 8 p.m., I was there as media crew taking pictures, and I was trying to get a picture of Jacob before it got dark. Turns out that I ran into Jacob when he was at a low point, and he had already called 
Andrew Onerma, the race director, he'd already called his partner and he'd already been having conversations about dropping out of the race. And he was struggling with what he was going to do. And so I got to see him at his lowest point. I was also media crew, and there's been a lot of talk about media crew lately and, and their involvement and interaction with racers on route. And so this was a timely and an interesting interaction. But ultimately, obviously, he decided to stay in. And not only did he stay in the race, but he went on to, again, get second overall and set a new single speed FKT, which is amazing. So really, one of the main things I wanted to talk to him about was how do you go from the lowest low to flipping that switch in your mind and just going? And not only going, but having a really great result. So it was great to catch up with Jacob. It was fun getting to know him and his journey and what led him to this point. You know, being able to do what he did doesn't just happen. It takes a lot of work. And it was nice to go through his process and see his journey and be able to have a greater understanding and respect for what he was able to do. So congrats to Jacob. I'm really glad that you didn't get in my van and I'm glad that you made the decision to keep on pushing on. And uh, obviously you learned a lot about yourself, which is really badass. All right, before we get to today's episode, I think we should take a moment to show our appreciation for the people who made today's episode possible, starting with our newest patrons. We have someone that signed up that doesn't want to be named, so a nameless person. Ashley, thank you. Manuel Busset, Joel Freudenberg, and Nick Fox. Thank you, guys. Thank you all so much for signing up to be sustaining members of the Bikes for Death podcast. And you're going to get to take advantage of some bonus content on today's episode. When I ran into Jacob around mile 255 on the route, I recorded that conversation. It was about 30 minutes long. The audio quality isn't great, but if you want to hear that entire conversation and how it all went down between a racer and a member of the media team, that will be available to patrons for free. And if you're not a patron, you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month and get access to this bonus content and much, much more. You can find out more over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. And we thank you kindly. All right. Well, today's episode is also brought to us by my friends over at Ruby Coffee Roasters. You may have heard some of our mini pods with Ruby before, speaking about our mobile coffee brewing setups and how they source their coffee. Today, we wanted to focus on their certified organic year-round coffee options. You can check out Organic August Seasonal Blend, which is designed to be bright, easy-drinking, all-day coffee blend or the Organic Tomorrow Seasonal Project, which highlights coffee from a single farm that's transitioning to quality-focused coffee farming. Organic certification is a great way to ensure large coffee cooperations are following strict environmental-friendly protocol. Small farmers are easy to talk with directly to understand what environmental practices are being followed, but some of the best coffees can come from large cooperatives. These organizations often process coffee for hundreds of farmers in the area, so having a certified organic status helps communicate from start to finish the impact these coffees have on the environment. 
You can check out Organic August Seasonal Blend or Organic Tomorrow Seasonal Project on Ruby's website at rubycoffeeroasters.com and use the code BIKESFORDEATH for 15% off a one-time order or 20% off the first order of a new subscription. And folks, if you have not tried Ruby's coffee yet, you are missing out. Take this opportunity to head over to their website, use the code BIKESFORDEATH, get yourself a discount, support a great company that supports this podcast, and get yourself a great cup of coffee. Today's episode is also brought to us by Athletic Greens. Why did I start taking AG1? Well, uh, newsflash, I'm getting older and I'm getting to the stage in my life where I'm actually starting to consider the impacts of the food that I eat, the nutrients that my body needs. I want to be here for a long time, you know. I want to be out there as an old man. I want to be a Hal Russell, you know. I want to be out there getting it. John Stamstead, he's not that old though. He's coming on the podcast soon. That'll be fun. But you know what I mean. I've got a body. I only got one, and I want to take care of it. And so that's where AG1 comes in. What's in it? Eh, Good question. With one scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptions to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. I want all the things, especially that aging part. That sounds nice. I usually take mine in the morning, and I'll either just throw it into some cold water or put it into a smoothie blend that I make that morning. But either way, it tastes great, and I know that I'm starting out my day with some good nutrition and probably making up for some bad choices from the night before, maybe. So if you're like me and you want to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash bikes or death. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash bikes or death to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, we did it. We're here. It is time to party with my friend Jacob as we talk about all things bikepacking. But first, let's have Miles Arbor take it away with the Bikes or Death theme song. You load up your bike, you ride away from home. You could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your boss, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You let that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. How many podcasts have you been on? Zero. (laughs) (laughs) So this was my first time. Are you nervous? Um, not really. 
That's good. I think I would probably be more nervous if I hadn't like met you before. We've been chatting on the internet for, I actually went through our messages because you don't post a lot on social media. So uh-huh. I, I actually got a better glimpse into uh, you and and kind of a timeline of some stuff just going through like our DMs that we've had. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and I need to know how to pronounce your last name. Okay, so it's um, it's Los. Los. Okay. So um, yeah. So it it was like before my family came here, I guess, which would have been like around World War One, like before World War One. Uh, they came from Germany, and so it was von Los, V O N L O O S, and so that kind of like that. Uh, I don't know. It helps me. I think it helps a lot of people understand why it's pronounced like that because it doesn't look like that. Um, but von Los, it was one word, you know, that it's like a German um, name. So they shortened it to Los, obviously, because they were coming over to America during that time. There was a lot of discrimination against, you know, German people because everybody was like, oh, you know, you're a Nazi, you know, but really it was just, everybody that was coming here was trying to escape all of that. Yeah. Maybe like leave their own, like disassociate themselves with that identity to some extent. Not that, you know, yeah, that what you're saying? Kind of, yeah. yeah, exactly. Just basically like we're not associated with those people. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they also wanted to distance themselves from that. It wasn't just to uh, avoid maybe like racism or, you know, people who right. don't really, understand but it's also like well we also want to show that we too want to disassociate and i mean a lot of people i mean you know america is full of immigrants obviously and you know kind of changing your name uh completely or a little bit to be a little bit more westernized i mean it, it was just common to do yeah Especially if they can't fucking pronounce it whenever you get off the boat, you know, they're like, what? No, you're Laos now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and like, and especially I think like the, um, like just the, yeah, making it more Western, but also, yeah, like America does have a lot of immigrants and you see how like a lot of Americans treat a lot of those people. And, you know, it's like, you know, would you really want to (laughs) be... I mean, I could understand why anybody would change their name, um, which kind of sucks, but yeah, but yeah, I could definitely understand because of just discrimination. It's kind of messed up. But. Yeah. America's messy, man. We are a big melting pot and we haven't, and we, you know, we, the collective, we have not handled indigenous people or immigrants and it's like, we're all fucking immigrants and yeah, <laughs> uh, it's just yeah. a messy melting oh, pot, but it's, yeah. yeah, not good. Okay, so it's Laos. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, that's funny. Well, it's not funny, but it is what it is. And uh, now I know how to pronounce your name because I, uh, on the last episode, I teased that you would be the next guest, and I didn't. I was like, oh, I don't know how to pronounce his his name. Yeah, um, yeah, it's but yeah, because it doesn't seem like O and O would make a long O, you know. So it's just Los, like Los, like uh, the. Um, plural the, I believe, in Spanish, you know, L-O-S. Same pronunciation, like, um, you know, there's a Mexican restaurant here called Los Portales that 
is just pronounced just like that, just like uh, Los Portales. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember uh, in Breaking Bad, Bad the name of that guy's chicken restaurant, but it was Los Los Pollos Hermanos. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, I love that show. That show is awesome. <laughs> Who doesn't? If you don't watch Breaking Bad, get off the fucking podcast right now. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> that's some good shit you also sent me another one i need to watch when i was looking back in our uh, dms fuck i can't remember what it's called i actually like pulled it up some like time the devil yeah devil all the time oh yeah that movie is really good yeah you said it was dark and i go ahead. Yeah, it's pretty dark <laughs> yeah i'm a super like optimistic and happy person but I like to watch some dark shit. And maybe it's, hopefully it's because I'm not that way and I'm not, it's like, it's like, whoa, that's, I don't know, that's interesting. My mind wouldn't have gone there, but yours did. Uh -huh. Yeah, 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 I wouldn't have thought of that. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, dude, where is home for you? Uh, you said you just drove home. It sounds like you've been on the road for a little bit. Yeah, um, I live in Rockford, Illinois. Um, it's like an hour and a half west of chicago all right are you from there yep all right uh so how far is that from arkansas um it depends on where you're going but like if well, you drive doom let's say yeah, doom. <laughs> from, from oark it's it's like 11 and a half hours about of a drive um just you know i mean it's really only nine hours like if you drive to bentonville it's like nine hours but because to get to like oark in the middle of you know, wherever it is, <laughs> Arkansas, <laughs> it's like you have to drive through all those super windy roads that they just take a long time to drive through. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, that adds like extra two hours about, you know, um, which is crazy because <laughs> not that much farther from Bentonville, really. I mean, it's about two hour drive from Bentonville, but just the way it's located. It's kind of so, um, you know, we're foreshadowing, but I mean, you've attempted the Arkansas high country. You just completed the doom second place, single speed, new FKT, all that jazz. I'm glossing over, but we're obviously going to get into it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I'm curious. Uh, so Chicago, like what is the terrain like? How does that prepare or not prepare you for, I mean, obviously you were prepared. I mean, you, you obviously, you answer that question. Can I do this? Yes, I fucking can. Yeah. You know, so what is that terrain like? Um, so a lot of the riding and training I do is in Western Illinois, uh, near the Mississippi river. Um, and in Northwestern Illinois and then, uh, Western Wisconsin, Eastern Minnesota and Northeastern Iowa is all like the region that they call, um, the driftless, which is like a bunch of hills and valleys that whenever the uh, glaciers came through and basically carved out the Mississippi River, um, they did not take out these hills. And I might be wrong about this, or maybe it's, I heard it somewhere. But anyway, I feel like part of that meant that when the glaciers came through and they carved out this land, they also like compressed the land around it basically going from like rolling hills and then just making everything compressed. So it's like straight up, you know? Um, so, so, I mean, a lot of the, uh, um, riding I do in Illinois, Western Illinois, it's all, 
you know, a bunch of gravel roads. Um, like I can ride a hundred miles with 10,000 feet of climbing there. Um, which a lot of people wouldn't think for, uh, uh, Illinois. Um, but it's, it's doable. And, um, um, <clears throat> so yeah, so the grades are similar to what you get in the Ozarks, but Ozarks are a lot steeper and like way longer climbs. I mean, we have like 200, 300, sometimes like 400 foot climbs here and like doom. It was like regularly you were going up a thousand feet at a time or more, you know, yeah. sometimes more. So, oh yeah. um, but the grade is similar. So you were used to the grade, but it was the length of the climbs that was yeah. kind of new yeah, and familiar. It just, yeah, it was yeah. just going longer <laughs> and more. Yeah. more. I more can climb. relate coming from Texas and like trying. It's like, oh, yeah, we're still going yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't stop. <laughs> and like some of the stuff in Arkansas, especially on that route, because I had a little bit of experience with it with my um, attempt on the high country last year. So I knew a little bit of what to expect. I knew that the gravel was really aggressive and that having like a big tire and a durable tire is like super important if you want to complete that route because everything's just so sharp. Like, yeah. you know, if you bring anything there that says light and supple <laughs> on it, like the chances are you're going to have like not a very good time. You're um, probably going to fly off the side of the fucking mountain. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna get sidewall cuts or something bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, while we're while we're here, uh, what tire did you run, and did it did it hold up to your expectations? Um, Yeah, I rode the uh, Victoria Mezcal, um, really twenty nine by two point three five, so big mountain bike tire. (laughs) Uh, Because I've you know had some experience with that. I feel like it's really good all terrain like it's great mountain bike tire but it's also a fast rolling uh tire on loose gravel or you know hard pack or pavement even um and so yeah and it's also really durable tire so during the whole you know it's so interesting i've i'm sorry to cut you off but i want to chime in on the mezcals real quick um you know just as a cyclist trying and i I love trying new tires. I've got a, a lot of them just sitting in my garage, a lot of old mezcals that are in there. I have found, and I've talked to many people about that particular tire, and it seems like either people like them or they don't like them. And I'm in the don't like them Interesting. Camp. I've mm-hmm. actually ridden, but when I did it, I did it on a 2.1-inch mezcal back in 2019. Uh, we did like a 200-mile uh, route out there on some of the same roads as like the high country. Mm-hmm. But dude, I just never felt comfortable on like the loose stuff around there. And then I took them up to uh, Las Cruces for the monumental loop. And Matt and I were talking about it. And we're like, these tires are kind of shit, aren't they? And he's like, yeah, you know, but, but then, I mean, I see a lot of people that run them and, you know, by my eye, they look like a good tire. You know, that center line looks like it would yeah. really roll well. And just the pattern looks very grippy, but still like not a lot of resistance. So I don't know. I'm not really, uh, I'm just kind of stirring the pot a little bit, but I, it is interesting that. It, that's, uh, it's interesting. I, I've, I've mostly only ever heard people love them. Um, that I guess, but it seems like everybody uses them. That's just, they just use them. I don't only use those tires, but I picked them for this event because I was like, I don't think I'm going to get a flat. And that's important to me. 
Um, and they're big and like comfortable. Um, I got one puncture on the whole ride and that was in like the last 10 miles of the entire ride. (laughs) Just like, I'm like the second to last descent, basically, you know, I just hit a big rock and I just had a little puncture and, you know, I plugged it and it was fine. But uh, other than that, I mean, they were great. And then, you know, and then I did rule of three just this weekend. Uh, It was super wet (laughs) conditions, like super wet. Um, And they were great for that area. So, yeah, I, 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 there's a lot of people like them. Um, Everybody's got to try them and figure out what they like. Are you still running those same Venture Max handlebars? Um, yeah, sorry. Um, so I do, I have on my gravel bike. So I rode my, um, hardtail for doom, which I think is an excellent choice for anybody. Personally, I would not attempt a lot of people did it on gravel bikes. So if you're really comfortable on a gravel bike, (laughs) then by all means, but personally, I would not ride that route again on anything but a mountain bike. Like, and I even would put a suspension fork on just because it was so like, you know, the downhills, some of the downhills were so chunky and like, and there was a lot of them that were like, not even like, like you could never drive any type of normal car on some of these roads. It's like Jeep four by four high clearance vehicles. And then maybe you won't get stuck. (laughs) Right. Um, yeah, there were some spots. I mean, I legitimately could not access via via vehicle and had to like turn around and yeah, it's no joke. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean gravel bike will be fine. But yeah, anyway, I have my other bike is a Soma Wolverine, which is a drop bar gravel bike and um before I used to use the uh Venture Max XL, so like they're 52 centimeters, I think. Yeah, or that's the one like I have. That. Yeah, the 52.5, yeah. Yeah, and so I used those all of last year, and I liked them. Um, I really liked the handlebar. I think they were just too wide for me. So I got the same thing in a 42 centimeter, which I know is like the opposite end <laughs> of the <laughs> spectrum. But um, I've been using those on my gravel bike this year, and and. I really like them, but I can yeah. see going up to like a 44 or like a 46. Um, but the XL for me was just like two. I definitely started to notice like some shoulder and like almost like respiratory things on like long distance stuff. I feel like it just is, I mean, how tall are you? How long are your arms? What position yeah. do you need to want? And everyone's going to be different, you know? And so it's good to, it's good to have the options, but yeah, like wide isn't always the answer. No, right. Wider could be the answer um, depending on the bike and the person, but yeah, like a 42 for some, like if you rode a 42, you'd probably be like, this is, not going to work for me. <laughs> like it's just too narrow, you know, but, um, but yeah, so it's just all about the person, you know, it's not, but the handlebar itself, like the shape of that handlebar, I, I don't think I could use any other drop bar because the thing I don't like about drop bars. And the reason why I stick to like mountain bikes a lot of the time is because I don't like how they're so deep. Like they're, yeah. I always feel like I'm reaching so far. So I always just sit on the hoods, but with those ones, it's like the shallowest drop probably on the market, I want to say. And, um, I actually can ride in the drops comfortably. Yeah. 
I agree. Those are those are good bars, and I'm still running them on my. Uh, I've had them on my Chumba, and now they're on my crust right there. So, all right, let's give you some acknowledgement um, for people who are just now tuning into the show. So you just <laughs> you just got back um, from Gravel Doom. Uh, you got second place overall, but you set a new FKT for single speed, uh, beating out, I believe, your friend Brett Stepanik. And uh, then you stuck around and you did the rule of three and you came in second place single speed. Mm-hmm. So first off, congratulations. Uh, but what I want to do right now is kind of set the stage for people listening, like where you're at on your, you know, let's call it your bike racing career, right? So um, you had signed up for the East Texas Showdown in October of 2021. That's my my race. Yep. And you weren't able to make it. And then that was going to be your first bikepacking race, I believe. And then you went to the Arkansas High Country later on that month in October, attempted that, but had to scratch. Um, so what... A, one, I want to know why the fuck you didn't come to my race. Uh, <laughs> so what? Yeah, I mean, just personal curiosity. What happened, man? Why didn't you show up? What happened? And then, uh, then just go ahead and like, what ha- what happened with Arkansas High Country, the the cliff notes. But I want to just get people some perspective on like how impressive it is that you know you these are big accomplishments. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So so I signed up for your event and then. Um, okay, so I did a couple of really big rides in uh, 2021. Um, I did. I was signed up for Gravel Worlds, the Long Voyage, which was 300 mile gravel ride uh, that took place in August. Um, and so, leading up to that, I did a few rides. I did a uh, a ride that was in May. I did a ride that was uh, 230 miles with 20,000 feet in the. Um, in the Illinois Driftless, which is actually part of a event that I uh, helped create the routes for, um, which is called the 10,000. Um, it happens Memorial Day weekend every year, so it's next weekend actually. Um, cool. Do you want to you want to plug that? Can people still register? Like, what's going yeah, so on with that? It's a free event. Um, yeah, well, go ahead and, and plug it real on. quick. I I think you yeah. messaged me about that last year. Um, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so it's um now it's put on by uh, Rafa Chicago, um, but it's a free event, so anybody can sign up. It starts in Stockton, um, Stockton, Illinois, on the 29th, which is next Sunday. Uh, so, but there's several route options. So, in my opinion, there's two routes. There's a route for everybody. So there's a 40 mile a 75 mile, a 130, and then a 260 mile route. Um, so the um, 130 mile route is like the original kind of deal. It's 130 miles, 10,000 feet of climbing. This year, it's probably closer to 12,000 feet, to be honest, but I don't I just make the route. <laughs> it does. It's not perfect. That's just what, that's the whole premise is that it's a 10,000 feet climbing day. Um, and um, so, yeah, so that one starts on Sunday. We're actually doing the 260 mile starts the day before on Saturday at 5 PM. So it's all free. You know, you can sign up, you can sign up. I'm 
think up to the day of, I don't really have like a lot to do with that whole part. Um, yeah. Well, where just, do, where can people go if they want to register and get all the, yeah. all the deets? Uh, so if you go on Instagram, there's an Instagram ride 10,000, uh, ride underscore 10 underscore thousand. And the link is, oh, well, maybe the link's not right there in the, <laughs> but I bet it, this I'll podcast doesn't come out till Wednesday. Yeah. And by Wednesday, it'll be there. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, you can go on there and that you'll find all the information there. Um, and yeah, so it's this, this weekend, it's a great ride, uh, that is really the whole, <laughs> one of the biggest things that got me into gravel riding in the first place. Um, so that's, you know, a pretty big, pretty big thing for me. Um, so there's that, uh, and then, so I did that 2021, that was the first year that I was making the route. And so I was like, I want to do 20,000 because it sounds stupid. And people were all like, there's no way you could do that. And then I went and did it with my friend, um, in like 22 hours or something. So, um, nice. So I did that. And then to get ready for the long voyage was 300 miles. Uh, we did like a, <laughs> 320 mile road ride, which was weird. I like borrowed my friend Stu's bike for it, which was also weird because I don't really ride bikes with gears and that bike had gears. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we did a fast, uh, 320 miles, like 20, a little over 24 hours. I think, um, it was fast. And, uh, that was the same kind of a thing. It was, um, Wisconsin driftless, so just north of me, but similar idea, very steep, hilly. I think it was like, it was like 15 or 16,000 feet, something like that. Um, and then I did the long voyage, which was like, I completed that. I did pretty well. Um, but it kind of like, I think the combination of those things just kind of like, it just like beat me up. (laughs) I was like, I was like worn out and I was took a lot of time off after that to try to figure out how to like get motivation back and like figure out how I was going to like do the high country because I was signed up for, it It was a thousand miles. I was like, decided the best thing for me would be to to, to just have some rest. And so um, I'd like stopped working for a little while and I went up North to the UP and just kind of hung out there for like a week a week and a half or something like that. Um, just relaxed. Uh, and I started to feel better. And then I decided that was like right around the time when, whenever your event was. Um, so I decided not to go just because I was like really looking forward to the high country. And I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to be like totally beat up at the start. Yeah. Um, because I'd already kind of had like a run in with like loss of motivation and, um, all that stuff leading up to it. Um, so, so I decided not to go to that because a lot of travel and a lot of, you know, really a hard ride. I mean, it's a lot of miles. (laughs) Um, and, uh, yeah, so then did, so I didn't go to that and then I was considering going again in the spring, but didn't, I still want to go do it. So I, I would love to have you anytime. Some, sometime. (laughs) It's a long way away. It's a long way away. Um, and so, 
Yeah, so then I went to Arkansas um, for the high country and like was totally just like a <laughs> a nervous wreck for that, despite like all the um, cool people that I met there the first time around and then all that like advice I was given, like um, Dylan Morton, like he gave me a lot of advice. I met him at Gravel Worlds uh, riding and I knew he lived in Arkansas, so I like hit him up asking about it, and he gave me a lot of advice uh, as far as tire choice and um, things like that, and so that was really helpful. Um, but yeah, so ultimately, you know, started the the uh, the race, and I ended up having to quit like the morning of the second day, um, like in Russellville, which is. I was going in a counterclockwise direction. So that would have been like mile 160 or something like that. Um, but the previous night, um, I had been going up pilot rock after leaving, uh, O'Ark, which is where doom starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and got up to the top of pilot rock and I like had made myself a little bit of food and then, I stood up to like get back on my bike and I just like got sick. I just like started throwing up, like throwing up like a lot. It was just like a ton of water and everything in my stomach basically just Mm. was on the ground on my feet (laughs) and it's like (laughs) dark and I'm on top of pilot rock, which is like a mountain. I mean, it was dark, so I didn't see what it looked like, but that same thing is on, uh, Ozark gravel doom. Um, where I was at, where I threw up. And so I was up there during the daytime this time. And I was looking, I was like, wow, this is like really high up here. (laughs) It's super beautiful. Um, but yeah, so I'm just like, it's nighttime. And I was up on top of this mountain, basically. I mean, it was one, one of the taller, taller areas in the state. Um, and I was like, well, I have to get down from here at least because I don't think it's a good idea to stay up here without food and I didn't really have very much water um or anything like that and I was you know kind of unsure I guess what I didn't realize is that Arkansas has the most water of like anywhere I've ever been yeah <laughs> like I had a water filter I probably could have just found a stream and you know taken care yeah. of it but so I decided to just ride to Russellville which was like another 40 miles um I basically rode 40 miles to Russellville from there, um, on like an empty stomach, like no water. It took me all night. <laughs> I stopped to sleep because I was like destroyed. <laughs> um, I got there and I tried to like get better and everything, but ultimately I was just too far gone that early in the race. So I decided to pull out, um, which was really hard to do. Like it's super hard to make oh, that. No decision. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so that was that, and it was not great, but but uh, sometimes it's the right thing. Sometimes it's the right thing. Yeah, yeah. We may talk about that a little bit later, and how that decision may or may not have impacted some decisions you made on Doom. Um, pay me a picture here for you know, like when in your mind did you say I want to be a bike pack racer? 
and, and like what kind of goals, because clearly like you were going to do my event, you'd been doing training, you put a lot of emphasis on the high country, which you should, that's a route where I think, you know, I, I agree. Like if, if showdown is the showdown, one nice thing about it. And I talked to Brandon when Brandon used to be the race uh, director is like, hopefully people use a showdown as like a, some people can use it as like a shakedown ride or a warm up because it's like four weekends before. So it's kind of like at a good time for people who are at that spot where they could take advantage of it. But you know, you were already burnt out. Yeah. So, you know, you need to, you need to be mentally and physically in it for the high country, uh-huh. you know, but yeah. What, what is this, what is this, uh, this path that you're on? Like, what are you thinking? Because um, after, after those, after that, then you went on to, you know, come in second at Doom. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I uh so I I started bike packing in like 2018. Uh actually I'm looking at a photo that I have printed, you know, I keep like a bunch of memorabilia and stuff. But basically, um yeah, in 2018, I like didn't have a gravel bike or anything like that, but I was like, you know, bikepacking.com all over the place, all the stuff's all over the place. I was like, this looks really awesome. Like I love camping. I love riding bikes. Like I was really into fixed gear bikes at the time. That's like how I got into riding. Um, and I had this road bike, like an old steel paramount road bike. And I was like, all right, I'm going to get a couple of bags and I'm going to go camping <laughs> in <laughs> on Lake Michigan. And so I did with a friend and it was ridiculous. I mean, I had like a cast iron pan, and like, and like so much stuff. I mean, I had like this front rack and it was like loaded up. My bike weighed so much pounds on like 25. So pounds. Yeah. And I had like 25 <laughs> millimeter tires. I mean, it was like, it was ridiculous. Um, My first trip was on 23s. So I can, yeah. I can relate a, a carbon road bike. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid. So, but, but I did it and, and, and it rained the whole weekend, but I was like, this is awesome. Like we got here on our bike. And I did, you know, my friend Max, me and my friend Max did it. Um, and he only had a single speed at the time. And he was having a really hard time, even though it was relatively flat. Uh, my bike had gears, but I pretty much just put it in one gear to like kind of feel his pain or something. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we both just rode in one gear the whole way there. It was like 80 miles and it was hard and it rained, but it was really fun. And uh, so then after that, I was like, all right, I didn't make that much money. I actually worked for Jimmy John's delivering on my bike <laughs> at the time, which was interesting. Um, so I was putting a ton of miles, uh, which was good. But uh, so I built up like a gravel bike that year, um, a Surly Straggler with flat bars, mm-hmm. um, had gears on it. And uh, I started doing just some bikepacking stuff. Like I did this this route that I got off bikepacking.com um, in October called uh, Tour de Chouamigan, which is like a hundred mile loop in the Northwoods. It's really beautiful. Um, but I also like extended on that. I took a train to Minneapolis with my bike and then I rode my bike from there to the start of the route, which was like 160 miles or it was like 180 miles. And I was trying to do it in one go um, to just get a feel for what that was like. Cause I had seen people were doing like really big rides and I had obviously heard of like the tour divide and stuff like that. So I was like, I want to see like, I'd only done like a hundred mile ride before that. And I was like, I want to see like if I can ride my bike this far. And 
Um, so I tried, I attempted to ride the 180 miles and, you know, I rode 155 or something to Hayward, Wisconsin. Uh, and I was just beat up. I mean, it was 155 miles with like 6,000 feet of climbing. And it was like the most climbing I'd ever done in a single ride, like by a lot. Um, and so I was just, you know, I slept outside the grocery store, like on the, under a picnic table or something. (laughs) And then I like finished to get to the start to meet my friend, um, and had a really good time again that weekend. So after that, I was like, well, this seems like something I could really get into. Um, and that was 2018 still. And so then I just did some more bike packing, just like for fun. You know, I'd never done like a race or anything like that. Just got into bike packing, got like better gear over time. It took me, you know, a few years to actually get good bike packing gear because it's expensive. You know, it's not, there's a barrier to entry and that's cost. <laughs> um, and trial and error. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah. And it's like, you could buy something. I can't tell you how many bags I own because I bought something and then I was like, okay, this is good, but it's not like yeah, quite it, you know? And um, so, yeah, so it took me a while, a lot of like just regular bikepacking trips. And then I start seeing people like, uh, like Sofian Sahili, um, you know, just like doing things like Silk Road Mountain Race. And I was just see all that stuff. I'm like, man, this is like, this is like a whole thing. It's like a whole sport and it's like <laughs> cool and I want to try it. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I just started doing kind of more stuff like that. And I was like getting into longer rides. I had done uh, actually that 230 mile ride I was talking about that I did last year. That was my first time riding 200 miles. Um, and then like a couple months later, I rode 300 miles and I rode 300 miles again. Um, when you say I rode 200, are you saying it in one go or yeah, in one a, go. As one? Okay. So without, without stopping, without sleeping 200 miles without, exactly. stop, well, I mean, like obviously stopping you're stopping, but yeah, but you're not, you're not camping or whatever for 300 miles. Like you're just yeah. really pushing miles on the bike and seeing how long you can just push yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, see okay. if you can ride for 24 hours. See if you can ride yeah. for longer than 24 hours. So you've just been kind of, man, you've just been chipping away. I mean, you, you yeah. know, you started bikepacking and then you're like, okay, I can do that. I like that. I like sleeping underneath picnic tables at mile 155. <laughs> and, you know, I like the pain. I like the suffering. I got gears, but I'm not going to use them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you just keep on pushing and pushing and pushing. Just, I mean, that's, but that's what we're trying to do, right? Those are the questions we're trying to answer when we're out there. Yeah. Like, how how tough am I? Like, how yeah, can, can I, capable? Can I keep going, basically? Yeah, can um, I keep going? Yeah. And so... um yeah, it, I guess I didn't really, I was not, I haven't really ever been into like racing until like recently when I was like, I really like doing this and I feel like, uh, I can be competitive in a healthy way. Um, and so then I was like, well, when you say when I can be competitive in a healthy way, you're talking about physically, mentally, like, what are you just like the whole thing? Like, I think like, a lot of people are really competitive and then like when something doesn't go how they wanted it to go, they can be really hard on themselves about like that part of yeah, it. Like, right. Like, you know, for example, when I showed up for Ozark gravel doom, I was like, 
I want to be competitive. You know, I want to race this race, but I was like, I know what my goal is. Um, I don't know what all these other people's goal is. And I don't really care because I'm like racing myself. I'm also racing them, but like, you know, I don't really care necessarily about winning. I just want to beat my own goal, you know, which I did in that race. I did. I beat my own goal by um, like, by like 30, by like 40, 40 minutes about <laughs> uh, <laughs> my goal. You know, my goal is like, I know I can do this in 60 hours. Like I was telling myself, I was like, I can do this in 60 hours for sure. If I can do it faster than that, it'd be great. Um, but then it ended up being about right. Uh, so you did it in like 59 hours and 18 minutes? Yes. Essentially. That's yes. what it came down to. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, um, so yeah, I guess like you can be like competitive in an unhealthy way, I think, where like you're just because you didn't win or because you didn't reach a certain goal or whatever, like then you really hard on yourself about it and you actually can like, you know, decline mentally. And I feel like even physically from that, like your fitness can take a, a toll from, from your mental side being damaged, you know, which I think is, that has happened to me before. Um, not because I was being too competitive, but just for other reasons. Um, yeah, it it seems, I mean, in my opinion, when you're doing something hard like that, the best thing you can do is stay in that very moment and do the best you can, you know, and not be worried about what the guy or girl in front or back of you is doing, even don't worry about your own goals that you had because, mm-hmm. you know, as Mike Tyson says, everybody has a goal or a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> and, uh, you yeah. know, you know, these routes are going to punch you in the face a lot. And so I think, I mean, I think it's a wise perspective. You have to, because if you start to let those things creep in, they they're creeping in, you know, you gotta, you gotta stay in a positive mind space. And, you know, we hear people, you know, I brought up Sofian, there's Lael and there's other people mm-hmm. that ride with a huge smile on your, their face. And the people who are doing very well, it seems like are happy. They're, yeah. they want to be there. They're having fun, all those things. And a lot of that is happening between your ears, you know, like, yes, the training is there, but yeah, you gotta you gotta really focus on your headspace. I feel like. Yeah, and and I think it's like, uh, like you can get lost from that because that's how I I try to just do it because that's what I want to be doing. I think it's fun to push myself, and like sometimes it gets to the point where you're like, you know, like for example in Doom, like it got to the point for me where I was basically like in pain in so much pain. And I was like losing track of the fun part. I was like, where did the fun go? You know, like, I was like, I'm having, I feel like I'm having fun, but a lot of the, there are like these things happening to my body that feel like not that fun. (laughs) Um, but you know, yeah. So, um, you just have to balance that stuff. I think kind of, yeah. Yeah, you, you're only accountable to yourself. And those yeah. are the questions that you have to answer and you have to weigh. And as we'll get into in a little while, uh, you, uh, yeah, you definitely reached, reached a low point um, yeah. <laughs> there at the end of day two. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. So let's see, where are, let's talk real quick about um, single speed. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, just give us a basic rundown. You know, how long have you been running single speed? Why? And uh, and and everybody will be interested to know what gearing you were riding for Doom. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, well, I've been like I said, I've been actually riding single speed bikes since I started riding bikes. So you started um, fixie single yeah, speed, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I think my first bike that I had in like high school was like a it was a Trek eight twenty, um, which had it was like eight speed, and I was like, so I rode that around you know, town and stuff with my friends sometimes just, so there was that. But then after high school, um, my friend Andy, like, I didn't really know him at the time, but I was like starting to ride bikes with this other group of people. And I bought the single speed off Craigslist. It was like an old Schwinn conversion single speed, basically. Um, so I was riding around and I met this guy, local guy, his name's Andy. He was putting on Alley Cat. So I was like, I'm going to go that sounds cool. Like I know the area I'm going to go to this race. Mm-hmm. And so I did, I went to it, to it on my single speed bike. And I can't remember. I think in the first one, I like ended up getting like third place or something like that. Um, but then we became friends from that. And he was really into fixed gear bikes. Like, like he had really cool stuff all the time. Um, he is a photographer, so he always took like these beautiful photos of really cool track bikes <laughs> mm. and I just saw them and I guess I was just like, wow, that looks sick. You know? So I got one yeah. um, and that's how I really got into riding. So I started riding fixed gear. So, uh, all over the place, just brakeless fixed gear. That was just what I rode. And, um, I did my first century on that. And then after that, I was like, man, my knees hurt <laughs> kind of from all this like skidding and whatever. I was like, I want to try like a <laughs> road bike, you know? So I got a road bike with an old eight speed, like 92 Schwinn Paramount. I found it on Craigslist for like a hundred bucks or something. It was a crazy deal, <laughs> super crazy deal. And I fixed it up and um, was riding that around for the summer. And so I did ride geared bikes for a while. I had several geared bikes, like three, including that one, I think four, four total. Um, and then in 2020, uh, I was going to New Mexico. I had a trip planned in New Mexico to do the New Mexico off-road runner route, which is on bikepacking.com. Super good route. It goes from, uh, Las Cruces to Santa Fe, which is the way we rode it. You can ride it the other way if you want. Um, but it's like a lot of dirt road stuff, a lot of roads that are, not dirt or gravel, but kind of like <laughs> mountain bikey, you know, like I probably like, again, I don't, I'm not saying you couldn't ride a gravel bike, but I probably just wouldn't, you know? Yeah. Um, I rode, I borrowed a bike because two of my friends that went with Nick and Max, who I did the first bike packing trip with Max, uh, they both had single speeds because that's just what they had. Um, so I was like, well, I want to do a single speed too, but I only had a geared hardtail. Um, and so I was asking my friends if I could, you know, try to find a bike to borrow basically. And my friend, Justin, let me borrow his Jones, uh, short wheelbase, super cool bike. Yeah. <laughs> like if you've never heard of that, that's, I mean, I wanted one for a long time after that. Um, so yeah. speed, Is that the one Cass rides? Uh, I'm not sure. I know they, they make two 
different versions and his is the older one. So it was like the old quick release version, which I guess yeah. is slightly different geometry than the newer ones. Um, so they had like the short wheelbase and then the long wheelbase. Um, this one was a short wheelbase with that trust fork, which is a really cool fork. Um, so I rode that uh, on that route, single speed. And then after that, I was like, I think single speed is what I want to do. <laughs> Um, so I started, does it come from a place of just enjoying pushing yourself? Cause you obviously do enjoy pushing yourself or are there other reasons why you like to ride single yeah, speed? I think that, and then like, also like the, um, uh, sim- simplistic idea of it. I just, it, it's cool because I don't know, like when you're pedaling, it's like, you really don't have to think about anything else. You just you think about pedaling or you think about walking, but you don't think about like, <laughs> oh, I should have brought a wider range cassette or like I should have brought a bigger. Sometimes you think I should have brought a bigger chain ring. Like I'm spinning like <laughs> crazy, but usually it's just like you either are pedaling or you're not pedaling. You're standing yeah. and walking. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I just, and then I guess just going back to like how I got into riding fixed gears. Like I always loved that because of I wrote a brakeless fixed gear, there was nothing to go wrong with it. It was just a chain, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so little maintenance to those. And that's why I loved them because I could just pump up the tires and then go for a, a ride whenever I wanted. You know, I didn't have yeah. to worry about brakes. Talking about barriers to entry, that's one way to lower the barrier to entry. Uh, you know, of worrying about mechanicals and all this yeah. stuff. It's like if yeah. you want to just a bomb-proof <laughs> bike that can go through mud, and you don't, you can, you know, you don't have to worry about the wind knocking over and breaking or derail your hanger off, which has mm-hmm. happened to me a couple times on trips. Um, always carry a spare, people, if you're going to ride gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, what what gear ratio did you ride for Doom, and would you choose that same ratio again if you did it? Um, I rode 3218 with an oval chain ring, uh, which a lot of people are like, oh, oval chain ring, single speed, what are you doing? But um, it actually works really well. Um, The tension difference between the tightest spot and the loosest spot is very similar. So I've never had a problem with it. I actually got the, uh, like, I actually did that because um, Brett was like i like oval chain rings i was like i'll take your word for that because you (laughs) know what you're doing (laughs) um and so i tried you know i bought one i tried it out and works out really well uh so yeah 3218 and i think i don't really know the exact technology but i believe that with an oval that kind of almost makes it feel like you have like a 3018 and a 3418 or something like that like it's like variable i don't know but Hmm. um, 32 18 oval and i think if i was going to do it again which i may or may not um (laughs) (laughs) i don't know uh i think i would probably choose the same or very similar gear ratio because there's so much stuff where it was like you're just walking like if i had easier gear ratio like a 19 or a 20 I probably would have ridden like an extra 50 feet up the hill. And I don't think that would have been any faster. 
I think I would have just been more worn out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so I think having like that ratio, I probably wouldn't go harder than that personally. That's one thing I hear, right? Is that single speed prevents you from blowing up and prevent yeah. kind of saves your Achilles heel heels. And I mean, yeah. your knees, whatever you might uh, struggle with, but I've heard that a lot is uh, yeah. how it will actually, it can save you. It can be like, no, you you're walking now and that's, probably in the long run for some people a better option right it did not save my the bottoms of my feet or my ankles though (laughs) um (laughs) because just because i was walking like on my toes i felt like so much because it was like so steep uphill is like you're not on a flat foot you're like on your tippy toes basically um i like wrecked the balls of my feet and they just were so painful. <laughs> now you got to go, uh, you got to go train for some hike a bike on some of those gradients out there. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, also like I just kept, as I was walking up hills, I get like careless with my feet and knock my heel on my ankle, both my heels, and my ankles. So I have like scabs on my a- ankles right now oh. from that. Um, just from knocking it and just, you know, rubbing away your skin <laughs> the whole time. Um, but, but yeah, it does, it, it helped me a lot. A lot of, I think a lot of the things that people suffered with this year, um, was heat exhaustion, um, which I felt like walking up a lot of those climbs, like some of the climbs on there, I pretty much walked it from beginning to end. Um, just because I was like, I would ride until it was like hard, a little bit hard. And I was like, I'm just going to walk. Cause if I just keep going forward, it's better than not, or like blowing myself up and then having to take a break for an hour or two hours. So I just kept doing that and it worked out, you know, like the walking thing. I mean, I think I walked, I don't even, I don't know exactly how far I walked, but if I had to put a number, I would say I probably walked over 30 miles of the 380 miles. That's not too bad. No, it's I not would actually think bad, it might be a little bit worse. Yeah, maybe it's more, but that's just what it felt like. That's just a, yeah, I know. You're just speaking from the gut. I, I do a lot of uh, running, trail running too, which I think okay. if you're going to ride a single speed, that's like, I don't know, it's helped me a lot, um, both with single day things and with super long distance stuff, just because you're able to walk farther. Like sometimes like single, single day events, like I did Mid-South um, and Rule of Three, it's like some of the hills, sure you could ride it, but it's probably faster to run. <laughs> some of the, sometimes I'm running up a hill and I'm passing people by doing so. Yeah. Um, so that that's something I always tell people Good to. Tip. Yeah, is you know if you're gonna want to ride a single speed, you should try. Uh, if you like running. It's good training, really good cross training. So you should do it. <laughs> um, also, good impact training for your knees and everything. Right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. Let's uh, talk about you mentioned uh, your goal was 60 hours. Mm-hmm. So that was one of my questions is what was your goal going into it? Um, so now my question is where did you come up with the number 60? And uh, and and did you did you have uh, any? I mean, you came in second overall and first place single speed. Does that part matter to you or are you mostly just concerned with that 60 hours? Like, how do you break that up in your mind? Um, well, it definitely matters. It's not like, 
I think the most important thing to me is that I completed it. And I completed it within the time that I was like, I'm going to complete it in this time. Um, the second place thing and the FKT is just like a, you know, that's just like a bonus. I was like the whole time, I mean, the whole time I was like, if I complete it in this time, of course I have the new um, single speed and FKT because Brett's time was about a day or something. I think a day longer than that, um, like 24 hours longer. So yeah. Um, originally, before he had even gone out to do that, which I did not know he was going to do, because um, he does that sometimes where he doesn't, you know, most of the time I think he, yeah, he just doesn't really tell people he doesn't need to. I mean, just doing it for yeah. himself, right? So yeah, it's cool. Um, well, plus he didn't have a uh, a lot of time to repair. That was kind of a last minute yeah, thing just, for him. He had like a break in the window and everything kind of worked out. So yeah, but yeah, that's kind of cool. He just shows up and does it just like Haley Moore did out at exactly. June. You know, just like, I don't need to tell anyone. I'm just going to go do it. Yep. So, so I actually, I was like, you know, already planning on doing it before I was planning on doing it. As soon as I knew that it was going to be an event, I was like, okay, I'm going to go do this because it looks awesome. And I love it down there. And I felt like I didn't get enough riding um, before when I had to quit my, my ride on the high country. I was like, I feel like I did not get to see this place for what it is. Um, You were robbed, man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and so I was already planning it and I'd already been researching the route and stuff. And I was like, okay, I feel like based off of some of the rides I've done, I was like, I think I can do this in like 50 to 55, 50 ish hours, you know, something like that. And then Brett went out and did it and, and I saw how long it took him to do it. Granted, like it was in January where the conditions are way different. I could not like that was more Creek crossings than I've crossed combined any other ride like right. if i combine all of my creek crossings i've done in my life it's not even close to the amount that you're going to do on that ride and we yeah. have lower, lower water levels than than normal so um yeah, lower water levels and i mean you were you know when y'all were doing it, it was heat exhaustion or heat stroke was the issue when brett was doing it hypothermia was on the table you know definitely for, if you got wet sure. like yeah. it was over yeah. basically yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he told me that like one time he misjudged a creek and got his feet wet and he was like that was a 24-hour mistake <laughs> um which is weird to you know think about that but um yeah yeah so uh yeah so then when he did it and it took him three days 12 hours or i think that's what it was uh i was like okay i think i need to reassess my <laughs> okay maybe under three days is good and then i talked to him about it he was like yeah i think i could do it like a lot faster and i was like, okay maybe like 60 hours i was like i think that might be a good time to shoot for um and so i was like okay and then it got closer and closer and i was like okay 60 hours i was like i think this route's possible for somebody in under 48 um but 60 hours is like doable for sure and then Haley did it like in just over that like 60 you know two or four hours, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I was like, okay. So yeah, I think you were about three hours faster than her, I think. Yeah. About. Yep. yeah. And yeah, and so I was like, okay, somebody's done it in that amount of time. So it's obviously doable. And in similar condition, I mean, she was just out there two weeks ago. Yep. So, you know, it, the temperature, the course, everything was pretty similar conditions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so yeah, so really it was just important to me to like, reach that goal but 
So whenever you set a goal like that, how how meticulous are you whenever you're making a plan to attack the route or race the route? Like are you're planning out all your resupply, you know where you want to sleep or uh, yeah, what, what was your like strategy going into actually you have a goal, now how do I accomplish that goal? Um, well, I know how it goes with these things. So I had a goal. <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a goal for the first day. Like I had a goal. I was like, I'm going to make it to Jasper before the stuff, before the good things close. And then I'm going to reassess my situation from there. That was at a mile 90-ish or so? Yeah. I'm trying yeah. to remember. Yeah. Okay. Mile 90. So I got there. It was pretty early, like around five, maybe before five even. Um, so pretty early. Um, I was like the fourth person there or something. And uh, I just went to the gas station real quick, got my stuff, Gatorade and water mostly. No food. I had like so much food on me. I, I packed like so much food from the beginning, um, which was a good idea. And um, so, yeah, I just got the uh, the water Gatorade. And I was like looking at my little cue sheet I made uh, with the stops. I was like, okay, there's a, I was like, I could go to Ozark Cafe. But I was like, I feel like it's too early for me to eat. And it's still really hot. So I don't really want to do that. Um, so I was like, I'm going to try and make it to the next one, which is at 115 miles. That's called Low Gap Cafe. And I made it there. Like it was, I was worried I was not going to make it because there was, so like there's a climb going into Jasper before you get to Jasper, then you descend into Jasper. But that climb was insane, like really hard. And I think the one after Jasper was even harder. So it was like 25 miles. It took me, it took me a long time to go 25 miles. Cause I think I got to Jasper around four 30 and I got to, um, I got to low gap at like seven 30 and they close at eight. So it was like mm. three hours for 25 miles. And like, a lot of those miles were downhill. So it was really like, it was like when I got to the top of the hill, it was like 15 minutes to descend to the bottom. So it was like close to three hours to go like, I don't know, 18 miles or something like that. I mean, it was slow. It was walking. It was steep. Um, I was worried I wasn't going to make it, but then I got to the top. I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to make it. So I made it there. And that, that, Cafe is awesome. It was like best food I had. That was the only real meal I had during the whole thing. Low Gap Cafe. Yeah, very nice. Um, they had key lime pie, which was really good. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I did that. Um, and then I left. I actually forgot my gloves there. Oh, no. Huge mistake. Uh, and I actually paid for it later on. Um, but... I would, I like didn't realize till I was, cause it was like halfway down a descent. So I continued down the descent. I was like all the way at the bottom, you know, 500 feet down. And I was like, where's my gloves? <laughs> and uh, I, I then imagined, I was like, I know where they are. They're on that little, this little bench thing. And they definitely were. I did not go back for them because I was not going to do that. Um, I figured they would find them and I don't know, throw them away or they would put them in a lost and found and nobody will ever come and get them or whatever yeah. happens. But um, maybe next time you can go check their lost and found and see yeah. if they're still there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, so I lost those, which kind of sucked, but um, 
yeah, I barely made that. So, so yeah, so I just made that. And then I was like, well, I don't really have a plan from here. I'm just going to keep riding. So I just kept riding until I got tired basically. Um, and then I, and then I went to sleep. Oh, wow. So your plan only extended until about Jasper, it sounds like. And then yeah. at Jasper, you were like, I can, I can, I think I can make low gap. And so mm-hmm. you, then, then after that, it's just all bets off. We're just going to see, see what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was, you know, I knew where the resupply points were and I knew what time they were. And I knew that like hitting that one was the most important because the other ones, it, it almost seemed like if you could hit that one and get to a certain point the first day, it seemed like the other ones would just kind of fall into place, which they were. They were just falling into place very well um, after that, perfectly, almost entirely. Like I got to uh, um, sometime on the second day or something, I got to uh, more outdoors or whatever I think it's called. Is that, that okay. what's called? It's like where that Kyle, familiar. where Kyle like was closed. It was closed when he got there. Ooh, that's not good. I don't know, but um, I got there and they're open. They didn't really have a whole lot. I really just got like a sprite and like some crackers. Um, I bought my stuff and I walked out and like the store owner person like followed me out. And like lock the door. And I was like, oh, are you leaving? And then they're like, oh yeah, but you're fine. You can just stay right here. I was like, oh, I really got here. And literally, if I was one minute later, I don't think that I would have, they would have been there, you know? Wow. Um, so just like, it was like that. Everything like that was just kind of falling. I, I, I mean, we're kind of segueing into exactly where I wanted to go, which was starting to get like a kind of overview of, you know, how, how the race went overall. I mean, uh, it sounds like one of the good things was that you got lucky <laughs> with some resupply points along the way. Uh, but, you know, um, you know, I kind of want to get to, I, I don't kind of, where I want to get to is whenever you and I met at around 8 p.m. on day two when you were thinking about maybe quitting. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, before that, like you said, I mean, you were at, at the front of the race. You were in top three, top four. Um, I saw you on route. I remember seeing you on day one and you took a picture of me and I took uh-huh. a picture of you. <laughs> did, was that a film camera or yeah, was it yeah, a camera? Yep. Yeah. Film camera. Uh, so did you, yeah. uh, did, you know, I, I did get a chuckle out of that. You and Brett Stepanek both being friends for people who didn't listen to that episode. And one of the things I really liked about that episode and a personal takeaway was that he takes a film camera and it's kind of like his mental carrot in a way. It's one of them where he's always looking for that next composition, the next cool Mm -hmm. thing to like, you know, maybe he only stops for a minute. Maybe it's 30 seconds, but it's just that little mental carrot, something that keeps him motivated. So did did you start that trend? Did he start it or? Um, I think it's completely separate i mean i was i've been pretty into film photography uh since like high school i got a film camera in high school and i was like started taking film photos this is really cool um and then i got like more into it i had like a medium format camera which i used for a long time um and took a lot of photos with it uh and then now i have like i still enjoy taking photos uh but the only, I have a few film cameras. The only film camera I really use is that one, the point and shoot. It's a, um, Olympus stylus, um, Japanese point and shoot, very 
durable. I have it has been through some things and it works. Still <laughs> and works. small and compact. You can put it in yeah. your it looked like it was probably in your feed bag or something yeah. where you could just pull it out real quick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um I got a great like, shot of you by the way. I don't think I've sent it to you yet. I've been saving okay. it for this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um but I got some good I got the whole series of you like whipping it out of your bag uh-huh. and then uh but yeah, you were having a good time. Yeah. Um yeah, and so and I also have like a, a mirrorless um Fuji X one hundred F. I use that often um for things. But uh yeah, mostly just I just feel like one one negative thing about doing these races in this fashion, like we're going really fast and all the time, is that I think sometimes you kind of miss out on you know what you're surrounded by you know i mean often i have to like stop just because i see something i'm like i just have to like look at this for a second you know it's just so awesome you know um and i think the camera helps with that you take photos of of things and it just when you look back at it it like it just um triggers something in your brain basically um yeah I appreciate you acknowledging that because it's one of my, you know, my personal things is like never wanting to go into those beautiful places and and hurry, you know, like that's kind of counterintuitive to what I'm trying to do and certainly not knocking anybody that does it because, I mean, one of the reasons why hashtag that hashtag pro slow is because I mean, it doesn't even the fast people aren't going that fast. I mean, you're still (laughs) on a bike, you're still seeing everything, you're still experiencing everything. So like, you know, honestly, you are soaking up a lot of stuff, but Mm -hmm. you can slow it down. And I think it's I, I appreciate that you're mindful about wanting to be intentional about taking some time to soak it up. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, I, I love film photography. And then, you know, 30 days later, whenever you get, get the film back and yeah. all those memories come flooding back of, of, of what you did, you know? Yep. Yeah. I shot, I shot, um, like one roll and I already sent it in. So I should get the photos later this week, uh, which is awesome. I never am that fast about it, but I was like, I have to do it this <laughs> time. I was like, <laughs> I have to do it fast this time so i did yeah um, i finished this role like a month or two ago and it's uh-huh. still just sitting here so yeah, <laughs> yeah. i have like a bag Usually. i have like a bag of film that is yeah. undeveloped um, i don't know what i do with it because it was kind of expensive actually to to right. um, develop film so um so yeah so so yeah i mean there were several times like <laughs> like uh descending going to descend into Jasper, there's like this really crazy downhill gravel switchback thing. And I was like halfway down it, but it was just like this crazy view. And I literally just slammed on the brakes and like just had to stop. Cause I was like, this is, I have to just look at this for a second. So, so I did. And then, um, uh, I kept going and turned the corner and then like Kai was there, uh, waiting to take a photo of me. And so I was like, I was like, wow, I, he probably heard me like slam on my brakes. Cause it was like, I went skidding to a stop, you know, with, mm-hmm. you know, on gravel and stuff. And he was just below me. So I wonder, I wondered what he was <laughs> maybe thinking if he heard that or whatever, but, um, but yeah. So, so sometimes I think you just have to do that. And, uh, otherwise it's, I don't think you get as much from the experience. At least know. for you personally. Right. Yeah. yeah. For me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, if I don't stop and just 
but yeah, yeah, that that really appeals to me, you know, personally. Yeah, I I really like that. So it sounds like day one went pretty well overall. Um, Mm -hmm. When did things start to get hard? When did thing? When did feelings of doubt or uncertainty start to actually creep into your mind, and what what maybe caused that to happen? Mm. Um, Well, yeah. So everything was going really well. First day, I actually. I saw a black bear, which was crazy. I'd never seen a black bear. Oh, I remember you said that. Yeah. yeah I saw a black bear. Uh, it was obviously super scared and immediately scurried off into the woods. Because <laughs> uh, it has this like alien thing looking at it with two lights in the dark. And it's like, what sure. is that? <laughs> um, and uh, so I rode pretty much, I rode almost the whole night, the first night. And then I, I slept for an hour and a half. And then I slept again for like an hour because it was still dark. And I was like, didn't really want to ride in the dark anymore. Um, well, like I said, the second day I had, again, I was having a really good day all day. Everything was just like falling into place. Um, until I got up pilot rock and I was like, I have to make this resupply. Like this is like the most important resupply for me right now, because if I don't get it, I had food, but I was like, I don't think I can eat this food for another 12 hours or whatever until I can get to whenever I can get to the next place. Because if I don't make this one, I'm definitely not going to make the next one. And if I don't make the next one, I just have to wait somewhere till the morning comes, basically. Um, And I was going up Pilot Rock, which is a very big climb, huge. I mean, it takes a long time. Uh, Got up to the top that's where I had thrown up on the high country race. So I recognized it, even though it was daytime. It's like, I've been here, definitely been here. Um, and, um, then the, I was like, okay, made it up to the top of this. I think there's like one climb after this. It should be easy. Like descend, climb, descend. I'm there. Like I'll make it for sure. Um, start descending. Turns out that it was not easy. And the descent was like a crazy, I don't know what I would call it, but it was like really awesome if you're on a mountain bike, which I was. That was one of the sections where I was like, I wish I had a suspension fork. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, going down, it's like all these roller things, super steep. I mean, I was on the brakes pretty heavy um, down that as to not crash and fall. Um, so it took a lot longer to descend than... Um, it would have if it was just a gravel road. You, know, you couldn't you couldn't rip 40, 50 miles an hour down it like all the rest of them. You were going 20 miles an hour, like you were on a mountain bike trail, basically. Um, and so, yeah, I got like pretty much to the bottom. And then I was like going over these crazy rocks and I like just made a slight mistake and I like went over the bars. <laughs> um, and that's where I paid for not for forgetting my gloves because I slammed my, gloves, my hand yeah. on the ground and then my hands bleeding and it like hurts really bad. And it, and I was like, how am I going to ride now? I have like, I was like, I have like 130 miles left and my hand feels terrible. <laughs> like it was swollen and it was hurting. And so I was like, well, I don't know. So I was like, I was like, I don't know, <laughs> but I'm cutting it close to this resupply and I have to get there. So I just got back on the bike immediately. Like didn't even really check anything. Just got back on the bike. I was like all dirty and um, kept going. There was like one more climb in the way. 
got up to the top of that. And I was like, okay, I got like 25 minutes. I was like, I'm going to make it. Like, I was like, I'm for sure going to make it. <laughs> and then I just started descending that one. <laughs> and it was the same thing. It was the same crazy mountain bikey hiking trail thing, except then throw in like the deepest puddles, like up to past my knees. Um, and up to this point, I had already been suffering in my feet uh, because I was pretty careful about the creek crossings. Didn't really get wet feet, um, but my feet were wet from the sweat and they were dirty and there was rocks in my shoes. And so my feet were torn up. It felt like and they hurt every time I walked. It felt like stepping on like pins. Um, and, but at that point I was like, I don't have time to go around these creeks because going around them at bushwhacking. And I was not interested in that at the time because I had like very limited time. So I was like sprinting through the woods, <laughs> like, running through these creeks, knee high creeks. And then, um, it got to the point where I was like going down this one right before I, like a mile away from where I saw you. And, and it was like six fifty-five or something. And the store closed at seven. And I was like, I'm still, oh, like you're talking about the store that, yeah. So yeah, the, the Red Lake store. Yeah. So it was like, that was like five. right up the like, hill. It was so close. And I was like, oh I'm my like gosh. Really so close. And I'm not going to make it. Like, this is the worst thing ever. And, uh, and I was just, you know, so I stopped right there at the bottom of the creek. My feet hurt so bad. So I just laid my bike down and I'm just sitting there on the rocks, like, took my shoes off. And like my legs are starting to go numb from like sitting on rocks <laughs> and I just felt terrible. Um, and yeah, so I like called my partner and I was like, I don't really know what to do because, you know, I'm going to miss this resupply. Like I already missed this resupply and I'm in a lot of pain <laughs> and I just don't know what to do, you know? And, and she, and she's kind of like a, more of like a, I feel like she's just, I don't know, she's really good at solving problems. She doesn't like to just like jump to conclusions about like, just, you know. Like walk you through it kind of. Yeah. Like you have a problem. The answer is not to quit. You know, it's more like, let's figure out how to solve this scenario. Um, Cause either way, there's a problem. Like if you're out there and you're going to quit, you have this problem of, you might have to wait three hours <laughs> for somebody to come get you. Um, yeah. in that three hours, you might be able to become better. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of a hard situation. Um, so I sat there for a long time. I sat there for like 30 minutes, um, or so. And I was kind of ultimately came to the decision. I was like, I think I might have to quit. Um, so I hung up and I was like, I'm going to call Andrew. I called Andrew and he was like, you know, he was just basically like, are you sure that this is what you want to do? Because, you know, that's a big decision to make. And I, I was like, well, I was like, I don't know. He, and he was like, well, you know, why don't you just think about it for a while, which, um, and then like, so like also just touching on the, uh, whole thing with media and support and whatever. Um, I guess as far as like, I'm concerned, whenever they started allowing cell phones on, Tour Divide or all these things. They said everything that comes with a cell phone is allowed. And I felt 
like I wasn't calling Andrew as like the race director for advice or anything like that. I was calling him like as a friend and saying like, and and he wasn't really even giving me <laughs> any advice or anything. He was just like, he was just questioning me basically. Yeah, he was pointing like, it back at you. Like yeah, he was you like, came here with goals. Yeah. And, and, you know, he just said like, Hey, remember how you felt after you, you weren't able to complete the high country. I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to feel, feel just like that basically. Um, and then also just really quick, I, I know that several people, everybody I talked to that had to scratch from this race said that <laughs> when they called him, he said the exact same thing to them. He was like, they were like, I'm quitting. And he was like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. And that's like what it was. That's what, what it was basically. So um, he treated everybody the same. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody yeah. had like an upper hand or anything like that. Yeah. He's not giving was, you pep talks to right. or, anything. Or, or like, or like any like advice or telling me anything I didn't already know about the route or anything like that. It was just, I was calling him as a friend saying, I think I have to quit. And he was like, are you sure that you feel that way? <laughs> and it's like weird because people don't always people don't always do that. You know, it's like sometimes when you call people and tell them you're gonna quit, they're like, okay, I'll come get you. You know, rarely does somebody say, Are you sure? <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like people are usually pretty quick to provide su- support for you, you know. And he was just like, he was like, no. <laughs> basically i mean you know so that was cool um and so then i was like okay well maybe i just need to go for a walk or something so i had like my feet and my shoes without socks on and like totally loose like i have like boa shoes and Mm -hmm. just loosened completely like they were like (laughs) flip-flops uh and I'm walking through this trail thing and I was just walking. I walked for like a mile and a half until I got to you. I walked that whole way from where I was sitting, just walking by myself, thinking whatever. And um, yes, and I got to you and I was like, well, I'm going to sit here <laughs> for a while. Uh, and so, you know, we were talking and again, like the rule was like, as a racer, I was allowed to um, acknowledge or start a conversation with anybody on the media crew. Um, and that was a rule. And so I did. And that's fine because that was the rule that was set in place by the race director. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so we had conversation about it and stuff. And, and again, like you were super like not even – considering the aspect of like offering me anything because that's not what you were there to do, um, which is great. Uh, and I had kind of already been trying to figure it out anyway, but you know, basically I was sitting there and I was kind of waiting to see if when Dylan came through, because I knew he wasn't that far behind me. And I was like, All I've right. been sitting for a long time. He can't be that far behind me. And um, so we had a conversation, you know, me and you had a we were talking for a little while. Um, and then, and then I was like, kind of at the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to, I was like, I think I just have to quit. Like I was like, I have to quit. And then I called Andrew again and I was like, okay, Andrew, I'm thinking I'm gonna have to quit. And again, he was like, are you sure? <laughs> I was like, and, and then he, and then I was like, 
I was like, ah, oh, gosh, I just, I don't know. And then, and then we were just, you know, we were talking for a minute and, and then um, I saw Dylan's lights and I was like, okay, Dylan's coming. He looks like he's having fun. I don't think I'm going to quit. I'm going to go over to the store at least and just sit there for a while. And then maybe I'll still quit or maybe I won't, you know, and I'm going to go over to the store, sit there. Maybe I'll wait till they open or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, okay, I got to go. And like Dylan came by and he just is like, he had a suspension fork. And so he's just like bouncing around, you know, and he just like, looked like he had, it was having so much fun. And, and I was just like, I was like, Hey, and he was like, Oh, Hey. And then, and then he's like, how are you? I was like, you know, I've been like way better before, but I was like, what are you, what are you doing? And he said, I'm going to town. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and then he just like was gone. Like it was like a two second encounter, but that two second encounter, um, plus like the thoughts I was having by myself for like the hour or so prior and with my walk and stuff, I was like, that is when I was like realizing like that I had been letting go of the fun part of it. And then when I saw him having fun, I was like, I want to go do what he's doing. Like he's having fun. I want to go do that. And the only real problem I had was having was that my feet hurt really bad because they were wet and they were like just painful. Um, and so I was like, well, I think you were coming over to me and I was like, yeah, I'm not quitting. And then you were like, oh, are you like on the phone or something? And I was like, nope, I'm not on the phone. And I was like shoving stuff in my bag already. And I was like, I'm not quitting. And then I just got up on my bike and I rode away. Um, and my shoes, Grant, keep in mind, my feet were still in the shoes with no socks on and mm-hmm. super. So I'm riding away on my bike up this hill with my shoes barely on my feet and no socks. <laughs> um, so I rode to the store, um, got to the store. Kai was there. Oh, waiting. really? Yes. Waiting. And That's crazy. So I was like, I just, and I was like, on the table. So you had two media interactions yeah. within like an hour. Yeah. I had no idea Kai was there. Yeah. Yeah. And so I sat down and, uh, um, then, you know, pretty much before he could even walk up, pretty much right when he came and walked up. And this, this is way after the store was closed. Like this is like 830 at this point. The store owner, his wife, I'm assuming, and his kid pull up in the car. They get out. They come up to the door. I'm sitting there like right in front of the store at the picnic table. And he's like, he's like, saw me he knew what was going on because he knew about the race and he's like um you want to come in and i was like days i'm like what he's like come on in and i was like oh okay and so i went in the lights are off and he's like yeah you know just you can shop around take your time (laughs) and uh so i did and i got all the stuff i needed and and um felt really good afterwards and i guess it's like something I learned from that is that even if you're like barely going to miss the, the, uh, the store, just go there anyway, because you never know what can happen. I'm not used to that stuff because in Illinois, people aren't that nice. I feel like 
in Arkansas, people are like super nice. Like very nice. People just talk to you. They stop and talk to you all the time. People are really nice. It's not like that here. Um, people. Why did like, he come to the store? Was it for you? Do you know? No, he, he was just coming there. I I want to say that they have like Probably a like, trailer right next door, and that's where they live. Okay. Yeah. It yeah, seemed yeah. like that based off what I could see, but it looked like he was going in there to like close up something. I don't right. know. But yeah. they showed up. How the fucking crazy is yeah, that, was, man? That's crazy. some trail magic right there. Yeah, and it was. And so so I uh um at that moment, even though I had already decided I was gonna keep going at least for like the next night, and by keep going, I meant like stay right there and wait for it to open. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was one of those things. Sometimes I think there's like certain signs that are telling you like you're supposed to be doing this right now. Like you should not stop. And here's a good reason why, you know? Um, So that was my reason to not quit. So I got all this stuff, ate so much, you know, I spent like, I don't know, I didn't spend as much as, other people spend there, but I spent like close to 40 bucks at that store. Um, I like Gatorades, like chocolate milk, like chips, apple pie, cherry pie, honey buns, like all this stuff. Yes. And um, so I sat there on the picnic table and I was like just downing all these liquids. Um, and then I was like thinking about sleeping there still. I was like, well, I knew there was a campground 20 miles away. I was like, I'm going to ride there and just see how I feel. <clears throat> So I did. Again, the problem I was having was with my feet. They hurt. I rode there without socks and I kept my feet, my shoes kind of loose so that I could try to air them out while I was riding. Um, Ultimately, that is what ended up saving me is riding without socks. I rode the last 130 miles of that ride without socks. (laughs) Do you know why that? Well, I think it's just because my socks would not dry and the only way I could get airflow through my feet was by not having socks on and having my shoes really loose. Um, So I kept going really far that night. Like Dylan had passed me. So then I was in third place. So wait, you, uh, you were going to the campground 20 miles away, but you do the no sock thing was working and they were feeling by better by then. And so you're just like, okay, well, I just kept going. going. Yeah, okay. I, just kept going. I basically kept going until I, until I was so tired that I was delusional, and then I was like walking up this big hill. I was like, I'm gonna get to the top of this big hill. I could see it on my GPS that it was a big hill, like the other ones. And I was like, I'm gonna get to the top of this and find a place to lay down for a couple hours till the sun comes up. I was walking up it, and there was like this. I was standing in the middle of the hill, just literally walking so slow. It took me so long <laughs> um, to get up that, and I was looking in the woods and I was like, is that some kind of crazy animal that I've never seen before? Like, it looks scary. I was like, it looks really scary. And I'm like looking at it. I I stood there in the middle of the road for like five minutes looking at this object that was not at all. It was looking at you. You were looking at it. Yeah. Proper stare down. Right. So I just was like, well, I guess I just have to, walk keep i don't know what else to do just keep walking so i kept walking and then like it was literally just a plant like it was like a stick (laughs) and i was i was like that's a stick (laughs) and um 
so I kept going, you know, got to the top of the hill, slept next day. I was like ready to go, you know, by next day, I mean, two hours later (laughs) in a really uncomfortable position, everything that I had really made a huge effort to dry out was now soaked from the humidity. You can't dry. If you want to dry something out in Arkansas, just don't even try because it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it, don't it try. Gets more wet actually overnight. Um, and yeah, so then I, you know, from there I just kept riding, and I was like, I'm. I was like, at that point, I was like, I was like, hundred miles from the finish. I was like, there's no way I'm not going to finish this now. I've ridden hundred miles so many times in my life. Like I don't care if I get second place, if I get sixth place, if I get whatever. I'm. There's no way I'm not finishing, you know, All right. so it went from like, I am quitting. Like, I can't do this at all to like, I'm definitely going to finish this. And I'm feeling like pretty good, like within, you know, seven or eight hours. Um, yeah. Which seems like a long time, but on a ride that takes you 60 hours, it's not that long. You know, it's no, a fraction. It seem- it's like 8% of your ride. Exactly. Or less. Yeah. yeah. So, um. So yeah, that, that, I guess it's just a, it was a good lesson to myself to like, whenever you're feeling that way, just give it some time before you even begin to make a decision, you know, just give it some time. Cause if you keep moving forward, um, it doesn't matter how slow you're going. You could walk like, I need to, you know, that's why I was walking through the woods. I was like, well, if I sit here, I'm not going to get anywhere. If I walk, I'm going to get somewhere really slowly, but I'm going to get mm. somewhere. Um, so yeah, like, you know, if you ever feel like I can't do this, this sucks. Like this is really hard. I don't know why I'm doing this. Just stop riding your bike <laughs> and just walk <laughs> it for a while. Um, and, 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 and just keep moving forward, I guess is, is what it is. It's, you know, if you, if you keep moving forward, eventually you'll get there. Um, yeah, well, this is kind of the part of your story that makes it unique that you'd never be able to tell just by watching the dots. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's a, a big part of the reason why I wanted to have this conversation, partly because we had that interaction on course. I was media crew. You were the racer. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't want to be here right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so for my, from my perspective, uh, I was there taking pictures and up until that point, zero people stopped to talk to me. Nobody did. And I was trying to get a a shot of you, you know, right before sunset. And yeah, you took for fucking ever to get to me. Now I know why. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was sitting there, I was sitting there for so long. Like I was just, well, that's the hard, you know, from a documentary documenting race, I, I sat one place for five hours waiting for, you know, five riders to pass to get one shot or a couple of shots and you miss it because, I mean, I can't control what y'all are doing. Exactly. I don't know if like, you're broken down or, or whatever. And so I'm like, you know, you just sit there and you wait. And when I missed the shot, I was like, well, I, I sat there for probably an hour waiting for you, hour, hour and a half, something like that. And uh, I was like, well, I'm at least going to sit here and cheer on you and um, Dylan, who was, mm-hmm. who was right behind you. Yeah. And then, then you came up, 
and stopped. And it was a really interesting ballet from my standpoint. And I don't know if you know this, but I recorded that entire interaction. Did okay. you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. Um, so I was, yeah. I was wondering about that actually afterwards because somebody had said to me, one of my friends, they were like, hey, I'm really excited <laughs> for your uh to hear what you have to say, like on the podcast. And, and I was like, Oh, how did you know about that? <laughs> you know? And he, and he was like, Oh, well, uh, Patrick gave a sneak peek in the last episode. And so I was like, Oh, okay. And so I was like wondering, I was like, oh, I wonder if he was like recording and he like played something, but I listened to the episode, which was the last episode was really awesome. Um, oh, thank you. by the way, you know, like that was a really good one. Yeah. Crazy story. Um, and then, Obviously, you know, you just talked about it at the end. So I was like, uh, I was like, wonder. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe you didn't. But then I was still kind of wondering, I was like, oh, I wonder if. <laughs> yeah, I did. I mean, it's just instinctual. It's just instinctual. It's just on my iPhone. So it's a shitty yeah. recording. Yeah. But um, Ben, my editor, is currently cleaning it up. And I've listened to some of it. And uh, I mean, we can, you know, I, I don't know where we're going to insert it and mm-hmm. how we're going to like utilize. I don't know what exactly. Well, it depends on how much of the audio is good and how much is right. it. But, you know, in light of all this media coverage uh, and, and you know, the controversy, quote unquote, or discussion that's happening around it, um, it was, it's very important for me that I am only there to document and I stay way the fuck away from and you you saw me i mean like nobody's talking to me you just ride past i take a <laughs> yep. picture i think i go woohoo go go team or and yeah, then you're whatever. gone you know and right. and that's it and that's um the position i don't want to be in is the one i was in with you where it was it was really illuminating because i'm like okay here's this guy who's already had a conversation with his partner, already had a conversation mm-hmm. with Andrew, and who's already, you know, having these ideas percolate in your mind about if you can and cannot continue. And now, fuck, here I am with a fucking van full of cold <laughs> drinks and, and food I'm, that I can right. make you and all. And, and I can't offer it to you. And I, you know. Exactly, yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's uh, I, I don't know. How did, I thought... You know, from my perspective, I was like, I don't know if you know this, but I I was doing what Andrew was kind of doing, but except for, it's like, I'm just asking you questions and trying to get you, like walk you through your own process exactly. and not insert myself in. I'm just like, I'm or just the guy in the course. In way. It's not yeah. like the conversation that we had at that time was the conversation I was having with myself already while I was walking towards you. And then I was just speaking it to another person. Right. <laughs> that was the only difference. And so it made me feel a little bit better. You were already contemplating these things before you ran into me. And it wasn't yeah. like, Oh, you're here. Oh, I can get a ride. Oh, cool. No, yeah. yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. It's like, I was already like, and I wasn't even like, also when I was going to quit too, I was thinking about that. I was like, well, you know, I, if I am going to quit, like, it'd be pretty easy right here. But also then I feel like that I was like, then I feel like I'm definitely taking the easy way out. And then I also feel like I'm breaking the rules somehow. And (laughs) if I do that, you know, I, I still felt like, even though 
um, you were right there. There's a van, there's all this stuff. I still felt like even if I had made the decision to quit like that, I couldn't accept anything from you because it was against the rules. It was like, you weren't there to help anybody. You were there to take pictures. And it's like, if I was in a situation, I was expected to get myself out of that situation. Yeah. Um, and so even if, you know, I had asked for a ride or something um, and accepted a ride, it's like, I still feel like that would be, even though I, even though at that point I would have already withdrawn from the race, <laughs> I still feel like it would have been breaking the, uh, the uh, code of like self-supported because you're not at that point. It's like self-supported would be like, you find your own way out of this. You, um, you know, call your friend to come pick you up or whatever. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, but, but I still feel like the situation was handled very appropriately. You know, I didn't feel like I received any, edge that anybody else didn't have. And I didn't feel like I received any advice that anybody else didn't have (laughs) or that I didn't have before seeing or talking to anybody else. Um, and so, yeah, so I I hope so. I mean, I, I know for a fact, I didn't offer anything, you know, I, you were just, I was just there to listen. Essentially. That was like my only, uh, role and I'll just stand here and, and listen to you. Um, but I was, I was aware of it and it is, it is complicated and it's worth, it's worth doing well. I mean, I think uh, not to say I'm perfect and I learned from that interaction and I, I'm sure I'll maybe find myself in one of those similar interactions again, but around the topic of, of, you know, media crew being on course and not offering assistance, um, you know, I thought I thought we handled it pretty well. Uh, you know, it's just like you got to respect what each person is doing. You were respecting the fact that I wasn't there for you. Uh, I was there for the course to take pictures and to document. Had nothing to do specifically with you. You just happened to be yeah. there, right, and exactly. you were there to do your own thing. And you were on your own journey. And you know, we got to respect the fact that we're both there doing our own thing. And and whenever you were like, "I'm back in this thing." I re- I was like I gave you fucking knuckles and I walked away like I didn't even I was like I don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah. You said that word and I'm fucking out of here. Like yeah. I'm not yeah. even going to give you that that option. But yeah. I mean the you know I was I was happy with the way we were, we we uh, handled it. I called Andrew afterwards and I told him everything that happened. He said you didn't even mention the fact he didn't even know I was there. That's oh, how yeah. you know you were you weren't even like you were just talking to Andrew. You know and and I appreciated that too. It wasn't like. Um, you know, again, I, I, I wasn't there. I wasn't really an, an option. I, I just happened to kind of be there and you were going through your process. Um, and, but, you know, to just continue on with your story, um, what, what was neat about that is I got to see you at your lowest low. I was there <laughs> or, or one of your lowest lows. Like, I mean, yeah. I, w- I was, I was there, I saw you, you know, struggling uh, and then I fucking wake up the next day. I mean, you wrote off, you know, I woke up the next day and you're just like trudging along and <laughs> end up in second place uh-huh. with the new FKT and all this stuff. And I'm just like, to, I'm like, bravo, man. Like seriously, kudos to you. That, that was it. 
it's your race. But for my, an outsider looking in, that was a victory. You know, like making that decision, having Andrew kick it back to you and say, listen, buddy, you trained, you worked hard, you drove all this way, you had goals, you know what it feels like to quit. What do you really want to do right now? Like yeah, the way exactly. he put it back on you, uh-huh. I fucking love that, you know? And I'm also glad because I almost called Andrew. I almost called him myself and I was like, no, you got to call Andrew. That's you. Yeah. Like this has nothing exactly. to do with me. And yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it just, I like the way it played out and I really gained a lot of respect for you. Not that I didn't respect you, but I'm mm-hmm. like, that's fucking hard to do to quit in your mind to think, you know, okay, I'm about to check out, I'm quitting, I'm whatever. And then to go on and accomplish what you did. I mean, Mm -hmm. what a great example it is, but also like, are you proud of yourself? Like, what are your, what is your own like feeling about that experience and your ability to keep pushing on? Yeah. Um, I actually think that that had a lot to do with the (laughs) way I was able to perform, um, raising rule three. Uh, cause I was not signed up for that event. Um, I finished doom. And then like the next day I was talking to Dylan and he was like, so are you doing rule three? And I was like, no, I'm not registered for it. And he's like, well, do you want to do rule three? <laughs> I was like, well, um, I don't know. I was like, I could probably be talked into it, but it's also sold out. And he was like, well, you know, we can maybe, maybe there's a way or something. So somehow, I've got in, whatever. <laughs> Paid the registration fee. They let me in. They they let me in. So whatever. And um, so I, uh, yeah, did that next next weekend. And and um, I felt like I, I did like nothing all week. Like we just hung around on a farm and like picked strawberries <laughs> and like mm-hmm. asparagus and like I rode a horse. Oh, and awesome. Then, we went back to Arkansas. Well, this is in Missouri. And we went back to Arkansas and then uh, did the pre-ride for rule of three. And I was like, oh my God, like fitness shock. I was like, I feel terrible. Like this is, <laughs> this is bad. I was like, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. And, but then I was like, no, you know, it's fine. And so, you know, the ride started and I just felt like super mentally strong and it was enough to carry me through the whole race basically um, in a pretty fast time. And uh I think that like making that decision to continue was ultimately like a mentally very powerful decision to make more than anything. Like it's like, regardless of your fitness or whatever, it's like your, the strength mentally that it takes to make that choice. And then to be reassured that that choice was the right choice when, whenever you finish a ride, uh, in still within your goal, you know, is like very powerful. Um, I think in, yeah. in your brain, cause it is a mental thing. I mean, everybody says races, you know, sure. I ride your bike, but it's a mental challenge and it's true. It is. <laughs> and it's your mental challenge. It's like a- afterwards, like when you quit those things, then if you quit, now you have to deal with the aftermath of that in your brain. And you have to like figure out how to like, at least I do. I have to figure out how to tell myself, like, you could do that. Like, there was just this, these things happened, you know, and it's fine. But that's hard to get over. Like, after I quit the high country, I was like, for a month and a half, two months even, I was like totally unmotivated. Anytime I went to get on my bike, 
I did, you know, couldn't even ride more than like 15, 20 miles. I'd just be like, this sucks. I was like, I don't want to do this right now. I was like, you know, <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, so it's like getting back into it after having to make the, a really difficult decision like that um, is hard. And so I think a lot of times it's just worth it to try to pull yourself out of that situation. If you can't pull yourself out of the situation, then you know you at least tried right. like, multiple times, you know, instead of just first or second time after you start feeling bad, you're like, okay, I quit, you know. Um, obviously, there's a lot of things like gear choices, like if, you know, whatever things you brought on the ride, if that didn't work out or even mechanical that like you just can't fix, like sometimes things like that happen. But when it comes down to like you quit because you didn't make this resupply or you your feet hurt feet hurt. Yeah. Or like, it's hard, <laughs> you know, it all seems like very small in the end after you finish. Like, yeah, of course it was hard. Like, what do you, <laughs> of course your feet hurt. Of course yeah. things went wrong. Like yeah. those are going to happen. Signed up for that. Like you, yeah. you signed up to, for your feet to hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. hard. That was why you did it. Like, <laughs> so, um, I played that mental trick on myself like deep when things get hard. It's like, no, you know, don't look at it as a negative. Look at it like I've ridden my bike 100, 200 miles, whatever, so that I can feel this. This is what I came for. I've came and I signed. And it's just like a mental trick. But as you were talking, I mean, the neat thing for you is that, yeah, man, that's 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 something you can refer back to any time in your life and apply it to many things other than bikepack racing, but like how mentally tough you can be and how you can go from, you know, thinking about quitting to, you know, coming in second place. Other people may listen to this episode and hear those words, Mm -hmm. but man, until you like put yourself in that position and actually like know it for yourself, I just feel like that's going to be a really good tool for you just going forward with whatever yeah. whatever you want to try to do. Yeah, and it already has. And you're only 23, right? 24. Yeah, oh, yeah I just 24 turned 24, 24 in February. Yeah, you're an yeah. old man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, in uh, February? Yep. What's your When's your birthday? That's my month. Uh, February 17th. All right, on the 5th. Yeah. I think Connor, my buddy, is the 17th or 18th. But uh-huh. anyway. It's the same, same uh, birthday as Michael Jordan. Ah. <laughs> I heard about him. He plays golf, right? Yeah, golf golfer. Real good golfer. Yeah. He is yeah. a pretty good uh, golfer on the side, but yeah, that's a different <laughs> that's a different yeah, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, listen, man, yeah. we're getting a little bit short on time because I gotta go uh, be a dad. But uh-huh. uh, so let's let's talk about um, what's next for you. I mean, you we've gone through your journey. You've had some pretty cool results with, you know, Doom and Rule of Three, like back to back. You've shown yourself that, you know, you're tough. You can compete and uh, and learn some new mental tricks along the way. So what's next? What are you going to put those tools to use for? Um, well, I'm doing several single day events. Um, like there's an event in northern Wisconsin called uh, Schwamigan 100. It's 100 miles of single track. Super cool event. I did it last year. It was awesome. Can do that. Um, there's another event in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan called the Crusher, which I'm undecided on yet. Like I might do it. It seems like it would be 
fun, kind of right up my alley, but um, not sure yet on that one. Um, but ultimately, um, in October, I'm going to come back to Arkansas for the high country again um, to do that because I want to. I want to do it. I was originally yeah. kind of thinking like Andrew came out with, or I don't know if he came up with the route or whatever, but the uh, Wachita Triple Crown. It's like the mountain bike single track. It's like 170 or 80 miles or something like that. Um, that's going to be an option for the high country, I think, this year. Oh, cool. Um, maybe, I don't know exactly, but I was thinking about doing that, but then I was like, well, no, like I want to do the high country because I didn't get to do it. And I, that was the biggest thing I wanted to do last year, you know? And so I feel like now that I've like, I understand the terrain in Arkansas. I understand the equipment to bring. I understand like how the climate is um i was like i feel like i can just i mean i can do the high country now you know like and i can like yeah not only do it but i think i can like prosper um on the route like i think that i can really impress myself with what i can pull off on that um oh. so that's that's the biggest thing gonna be the biggest thing in this year um the Arkansas high country route uh and then and you know i don't know from there but um you know, it's been, I've been thinking about it for a long time, like many people, but, uh, like the tour divide really like to do the tour divide. So wait, which one, which route is that? The tour. <laughs> 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 uh, well, yeah, first time uh, I'm hearing about it. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I was kind of thinking next year, I, I would like yeah. to do that, you know, regardless That's of awesome. if I try to, you know, whatever, obviously whenever I do something like that, I'm going to push myself because just how I am. Um, I don't know what's possible for me on that route, but I know that I've been wanting to do it for several years and it just hasn't worked out obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so that, and sounds and, like a good progression. Yeah. What, where are you at in terms of your thoughts? I mean, as being like a quote unquote bike pack racer, like, mm-hmm. are, is that what you're trying to become? Is that what you want to be? Do you have any like hopes and aspirations or is this just something you do on the side for fun to push yourself? Um, well, I really like doing it. I want to do it more as much as possible. And obviously you have to work. It's really hard to balance <laughs> the two because it's like, I prioritize uh, riding and training and racing over working and you know, being super financially like well off or something stable or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think you're young too. You can take some risk. Yeah. I do. Okay. Um, I would have more money than I do if I didn't do this. That's for sure. (laughs) I don't have that much money. Um, my job pays more than some jobs, but it doesn't pay a lot. Um, but they let me take time off because I told him that's what I wanted to do. I told him like, I was like, that's what I need to do. Otherwise like, I'm not going to be able to work here. Um, Are you still welding? Yep. Yep. Unfortunately. Well, not really. Unfortunately, I like welding. I don't like the company Not that I don't like the company I work for, but the, what I do manufacturing that I do is not ideal. Um, I would like to work. 
I don't know. I think it'd be cool to work with bicycles. <laughs> yeah, apply um, your skill set to something like more that you're more passionate about or interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Again, you're so, young, man. We yeah. all got to have a we all got to have a job and pay the bills, but right. it's like and, yeah, and that's what it is. It pays the bills. Um, I also really like the idea of farming, and I've done that as a job a little bit, and. I'm always kind of back and forth whether or not I want to like keep welding or like take a little bit of a pay cut and just like work on a farm or two farms and just like do that because it's sometimes I feel happier doing that. Sometimes I feel happier with a little bit more money, but (laughs) you know, (laughs) to balance it too. Um, Yeah. 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 There's a lot to consider whenever you're wanting to take off a week or two weeks or whatever. I mean, you know, the training, the money to travel, to purchase the gear, the opportunity costs when you miss work. I mean, these are all challenges that unless you're a professional athlete, we're all having to overcome. Yep. And it, it's one of the things that I like about, you know, it's like Brett Stepanek when he came out to do Doom or Haley whenever she came out to do Doom or, you know, it's like, you're making sacrifices, personal sacrifices and choices financially and, you know, time with friends and all this stuff just so you can go and do something really hard, which is one of the cool aspects of it. Yeah. It's like people, you know, at work, they'll be like, oh, so you're going on vacation for a week and a half. I'm like, well, (laughs) my vacation is different than yours. Yeah. It's like you, if you did this, you wouldn't say that you're on vacation, but um, it, in a, in a, it is because it does help me reset my brain, but um, it's not vacation. <laughs> like you're not sitting on a beach drinking no. <clears throat> masses with umbrellas in them. Now, if you're bike pack touring or something like that, that's that's a vacation, oh, sure. Yeah. But yeah, what that, what yeah. you're doing <laughs> is not a vacation. Yeah. What you're doing is like you're lucky if you get 30 seconds to hop off your bike and take a picture real quick before you right. know you're back in the pain cave. You know? Yeah. So. Granted, this time around, I did take a bunch of extra time off to just like sit around, which was really nice. Yeah. Um, but you know, you don't get to do that every time. And so sometimes you just have to, I guess, but yeah. sometimes it's like, I go to do an event. I do, I work the day before the event. I drive several hours to the event, get up super early the next morning, do the event, go to sleep, get up the next day, drive several hours home, go to sleep, get up and go to work. You know, it's like, it's not like you can't always, sometimes you just have to do it on a weekend. You can't always take oh yeah, Monday, Monday Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday off, you know, I'm you got to prioritize like, the events you really want to do. Yeah. Hey, yeah. speaking of events, you were talking about your calendar. It reminded me I'm heading up to um, Michigan. What's uh-huh. that state right above you? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. That's the one I'm yeah. going to, Wisconsin. Uh, for the Iron Bull something. Have you heard of that? The Red Granite Grinder or something? Oh, um, I feel like I've heard that name before, but I don't know what that is. Yeah, I'm going to be up in your iron. Yeah, ironbull.org, and it's their Red Granite Grinder, October 15th. So a uh, little plug for them, but I was wondering if you might. I'm, uh, they've hired me to come up there again to be media. So uh, luckily that's not a bike pack race, so I can 
I don't know. It's just a different vibe. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna be up in your. I'm gonna be up in your neighborhood, kind of uh, for the first time. I've never been up there before, so I'm looking forward to it. Oh. Been to uh, oh. Illinois. Cool. <laughs> there's huh? like some, there's like some cool, like on their website. There's like some cool uh, events. Yeah, looks pretty cool. Yeah, I guess they're uh, they're pretty excited about it, and they want me to come and check it out. And I wonder how that will line up with the. Uh, High country race. Oh, that's right. If that, yeah, I mean, that's gonna be right before. Yeah, right before or right after, potentially, depending. Yeah. Like I think last year it was like October 9th or something like that. Or I don't know, something like that. But yeah, that's interesting. That's pretty cool. But it looks like they have like a ton of events. <laughs> yeah, they do it's a like Iron Bull is a full like organization that does all kinds of stuff. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, I'm going to wrap it up and go be a dad. Go get my girl from her her mom. I appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's nice to... It was nice to... I said it should say it was nice to meet you at Doom. It's always fun to see people from the internet that you chat with for a while and you're like, oh, hey, you're a real person. And look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can do cool shit. Well, welcome to Bikepack Racing, man. Really impressed. It's probably a good blueprint for people listening, like, you know, to some degree, you know, you don't just sign up for Doom and get second place overall. So, you know, there's a, it's a, what is that? You're on a four year, five year journey, it sounds like, to get from like your introduction into bikepacking and like you've just been pushing yourself at little stages along the way and learning through mistakes, learning through successes. And, you know, four or five years later, boom, mm-hmm. now you're, now you're the hot shit. Now you're setting new FKTs and people are going to be chasing your time. I mean, that's true. You laugh at me, but that's yeah. that's out there. And the next person on <laughs> yeah. single speed is going to be yeah. like, yeah. I'm going to go yeah. get that time. That's my time. That's what I'm going for, you know? And you you fucking did that, which is awesome, man. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see um, what people do with that in the future. You know, like Zeno did it. Oh God. <laughs> I know, I know, I know him. He actually rides in the same area. He trains in the same area that I do. Uh, I gotcha. really in the same kind of area, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, what he did is just, I don't, I didn't, I looked at his dot a couple times during the race and I didn't understand what was happening. You're like, this doesn't make <laughs> yeah. sense. We're, are we on the same course? Yeah. <laughs> is he doing something else? <laughs> <laughs> Someone check that bike for batteries. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Zeno. Yeah, but, and, and, and a nod to Zeno because he fucking yeah. just, if anybody wants to go, like, one thing I love about track leaders, and I watch, I, you know, I can go back, and I'm watching the race in real time, but to go back and hit that play button and rewatch the dots as they go, and you see just Zeno, I mean, it, like it wasn't even moving. fair. Huh? Yeah. He just, like, didn't stop moving, it seemed like. No, it was like Kuya whenever he came out to the East Texas Showdown and, like, put in a sub-24 hour, and we're just like... Okay, we weren't ready for that, but I guess that's what happened. <laughs> so here we are. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. But I mean, those are the cool things that, you know, someone breaks a half marathon or a marathon time and then 10 people beat it or whatever. I mean, it's not until you can unlock that thing in your brain sometimes that, know, that you even know it's possible and you're like, okay, well, mm-hmm. level up. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, thanks again. Yep. Are you on the phone or? Nope. Okay, I can't, I cannot see, so. Yeah, I was on the phone. <laughs>
And that's cool. what Andrew told me to do. And what, sorry, I, I couldn't hear you, buddy. What's that? Oh, that's what Andrew told me. To what, do. what was it, though? I missed it. He said that I should go and sleep to the town. Okay. So okay. what you doing, buddy? I'm going to go to the town. All right, buddy. And then I'm going to sleep. I'm going to give you fucking knuckles, man. <laughs> go ride your fucking bike, dude. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. And then maybe I will feel better. Or maybe not. Hey, dude, but, but Andrew's got you. We're not far behind. You know, whatever, man. You got this, dude. Yeah. Go, go sleep. Take some time to think about it. Just cool, buddy. Have a good ride. Yeah. Good to see you, Jacob. Good job, buddy. All right, everybody, you just heard a little clip from my interaction with Jacob when we were on course, and uh, that was the moment that he got off the phone with Andrew, and I walked over, and he was like, I'm going, knuckles, knuckles, let's get out of here, and uh, away he went. Beautiful moment. If you'd like to hear that entire interaction, it's going to be available soon for patrons, if you're not a patron yet, you can sign up over at patreon.com forward slash bikes or death. And if you are a patron, that segment is going to be uploaded to the patron page very soon. As soon as uh, my friend and editor Ben Crannell gets done touching it up, uh, I wasn't using my professional equipment. It was just my iPhone and part of the time it was in my pocket and stuff. So we're cleaning it up, making it a little bit easier for you to listen to, and we'll have that available online shortly. Well, that is it for today's episode. Next week could be one of two episodes. I'm recording a couple, and I don't know exactly which one's going to come out next week, but we've got some great guests coming up, as always, so have no fear. You will have more Bikes or Death podcast in your ear next week. Until then, don't forget about the memorial ride for Mo Wilson that is this Sunday. If you need more details on that, you can check out Cynthia Pedraza's Instagram page or probably just contact her directly through there. Her Instagram is underscore chiller underscore well. Chiller is spelled C-H-I-L-L-E-R. And I'd like to thank and acknowledge the members of the Austin cycling community that have taken the initiative to uh, make that memorial happen and honor Mariah's life. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Until next week, you know what to do. Don't forget, go ride your damn bike. It was the middle of the night. You grabbed your knife and you held it tight. The sounds of beasts kept you awake. The sounds they made kept you afraid. In the morning, you packed your bike. Memories forgotten from the previous night. You rode faster than ever before. Was it your imagination or merely folklore? Fear turned into strength as you pushed further. Every pedal stroke stronger and firmer. Your bike feels weightless. Your legs aren't tired. You think to yourself, just a few more miles. Bikes. Oh, death. Bikes. Oh, death. Podcast. Okay.